Did you know that your favorite band also loves your favorite hockey team? If you love hockey and you love music, you're going to love Bar Down Breakdown, a podcast that explores the crossover between alternative music and the sport we love, hockey. Every NHL player wants to be in a band, and every band guy wants to be an, 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 you know, a pro athlete. With guests from all over the globe, come along with us as we interview some of the most captivating names in alternative music and talk about why we love hockey and how it's influenced us. You know, there was a, for a few seconds, I thought, like, well, maybe we should wear Montreal jerseys. And the NHL was like, mm, I think you should stay neutral. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, yeah, you know what? You're probably right. So tune in every Tuesday on the Hockey Podcast Network, where we'll have a brand new guest and a unique look into the bridge between hockey and music. March's biggest tournament is finally here. We do not know who will be cutting down the nets at the end, but we do know there will be no shortage of madness. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of action. Bet $4 on an underdog, win $256 if they win. It's that simple. Turning $4 into $256 is 64 to 1 odds. Every dollar you bet could turn into $64. Pick one of the many select college basketball underdogs for your shot at winning $256. All it takes is a $4 bet. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on golf, hockey, and so, so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $4 into $256 if the underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset. That's code THPN to turn $4 into $256 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind, of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the Hockey, Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your here's host, host, Neil Villapiano! What's up, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place, as always, to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. Yeah, I'm just going to jump right into it because I don't know how to feel right now. Um, you guys can't see, obviously, but I'm, I'm smiling and I'm laughing and maybe because I'm laughing to try to you know, laugh through the pain, but I'm recording this about an hour or so after the Devils just lost a gut-wrenching 3-2 loss in, in a shootout to the New York Islanders to finish the three-game set against the Islanders 0-2-1, and, and they have still yet to win a game at home with fans, and there's a lot that we need to get into throughout these last three games, and a lot of the things that have just pretty much come to, you know, come to fruition with everything that has happened. Um, because yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really just kind of in a, um, I'm, I'm in a rough spot because I just don't know what to say, think, do, or anything like that. Um, to be honest with you guys, I actually was kind of wondering if I had the strength or the energy to actually do an episode, 
for Monday, but I got to keep it up because I know how much you guys enjoy these episodes and you enjoy what I do. And as always, I do appreciate you guys so very much for all the support uh, that you guys have given me since I started doing this um, last summer in 2020. And yeah, let's let's just jump right into it. We we have a bunch to get to, as I always say. So without further ado, let's drop the puck. So we'll start. Basically, we're just going to go through the three games against the Islanders because that was pretty much, um, you know, the games that I, I haven't covered. And we're just going to we're not going to go like play by play the way that I normally do it. We're just going to kind of recap them in general. And we're just going to kind of go from there. And it started with the game back on Thursday, uh, which was going to be which was at the island, you know, at the Nassau Coliseum. And, you know. Right before the game on social media, as you guys, you know, probably follow me on social media, you know, at Twitter, at Devil State, um, I had a nice wager with the Nassau Men Hockey Podcast, which is one of the New York Islander podcasts here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, They actually, well, I kind of, I tweeted at them saying, you know, let's have a great, you know, weekend, like, let's have some fun. I do that with all the podcasts to just kind of get a little bit of um, talking going on. doesn't happen throughout the game it usually happens after the game or before the game but I wanted to this time and they actually replied to my tweet and they actually made a deal with me they made a bet that said okay here's the deal if the Islanders win all three games I have to go on their podcast and talk about you know this past weekend but if the Devils win all three games then those guys would be coming on here and as you could probably tell, um, who and you know, you probably could figure out who lost that bet. But I said, you know, hey, what, why the hell not? Let's do it. And uh, you know, that was kind of the first thing um, there. And, and by the way, if you're a big, if you're an Islanders fan, uh, please go check these guys out. They just like myself, they post new episodes uh, twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays on the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, please go check them out. It would mean a lot to me if you did so. But. The Devils were coming into this series knowing that they were facing the hottest team at this moment in the National Hockey League, and that's the New York Islanders, who basically, you know, they were looking to try, they were coming in on a six-game winning streak, and they really have been dominant, particularly at the Nassau Coliseum, and I believe that was also the first time they had fans in the arena. Uh, I believe it was actually just healthcare workers that game. I'm not, I'm not totally sure. I'm I'm pretty sure that that was that was the case, but nonetheless fans are are now starting to come back into Nassau Coliseum which if it wasn't already tough to play in that building, it's going to be a lot tougher now with fans like my good friend Kim Moisa and many others um going to have the opportunity to be there. But in this case, this was the first time that the Islanders really had a chance to play in front of fans and they really didn't disappoint as the Islanders pretty much right from the get-go, at least through the first 40 minutes, dominated us. They kicked their ass, to be quite frank. They ended up going up 4 nothing at the end of two periods. And it was just another one of those games where you just wondered, does this team have any pride talking about the Devils? Does this team have any pride? Like, do they just, are they just okay with being this way? Are they just okay with getting destroyed, getting their ass kicked, getting punched in the stomach every two seconds? Like, is this, is this enjoyable? To, to these guys, I, I really wonder that. And what was really tough was that Mackenzie Blackwood finally got another chance to get back in net after he had not played in the previous two games. And he really just didn't look good. And he hasn't looked good. And that's really a concerning thing. And this is something that I was really, really worrying about um, at the beginning of the season, uh, especially when Corey Crawford announced his retirement. Because I remember if you go back, um, when the Devils did end up signing Corey Crawford, what was great about it was that you you we finally felt like we had a legit backup goaltender that could give Blackwood a lot of rest and you know we could avoid him regressing. Unfortunately, you know, for reasons that you know are out of all of our controls, Corey Crawford ended up retiring during training camp. So we were left with Scott Wedgwood and you know Eric Comrie for a little bit and Aaron Dell. Now it's still wedge one. And unfortunately for Blackwood, he's had to play the majority of the games. And early on in the season, just like everybody else, they were on point. Um, but nowadays he looks very, very mediocre. He doesn't look very good. He 
He looks like he's regressed a lot. He doesn't have a lot of confidence. And look, not every goal he's given up in these last two games he's played has been his fault. I mean, there's plenty of defensive breakdowns that have clearly given him no chance. But he has not made the saves that we have grown accustomed to seeing him make. And this is where you're starting to wonder if it really is the beginning of where Blackwood starts to really struggle and not it cannot get back to the Mackenzie Blackwood that we've seen in years past. But anyway, yeah, so we go down for nothing. And we decided once again, very similar to if you remember the comeback against the Washington Capitals, we decided to make a comeback too little too late as we ended up scoring two quick goals within the first five minutes of that third period to go down only four to two and then proceeded to give it right back um, or give one of them back to make it five to three, five to two. We scored another one and we ended up losing that game five to three. And Yanni Kwokinen got a goal, which was at the time his third of the season, Mikhail Moltsev as well. And Jack Hughes had a nice goal where he was down on his knees at a backhand and he was able to score. And it really doesn't surprise me that the young kids are the ones that are making the contributions in these games. Uh, the biggest story, though, coming out of that game was the fact that Islanders captain Anders Lee got tossed up with, got tangled up, excuse me, with Pavel Zaka, I believe, in the second period. Actually, it might have been in the first period. It was either the first or second period. Um, and he did not return to the game. And it was kind of like, it was definitely a weird injury. Like I didn't really understand how he got tangled up and how it hurt that badly, but nonetheless, he did get hurt. And that was a tough, that was a tough thing to see because, you know, I respect the Islanders a lot and I really, they have a lot of really likable players like Anders Lee. And I never want to see players get hurt like that. So I was hoping that he would be okay and be able to return, but he ended up never returning in the game, but the Islanders were still able to get a win. Ilya Sorokin, the very young uh, possible franchise goaltender for the Islanders, he looked really good until that third period. And I think the Islanders, honestly, I think they went into that period up for nothing. Like, okay, we're probably not going to lose this game. Um, and they kind of just fell back and the Devils were able to gain some energy and score. And even though they lost, I was hopeful, like Bryce Salvador had said, that the Devils could use that energy that they got in the third period in that loss and take it into the next game uh, against the same Islanders team. And it was going to be the first of two games at home. And obviously the biggest thing going into this was that the Devils had lost their last nine games in a row in regulation at home. And they still had yet to win a game at home with fans in the stands. So obviously this was a very, very important thing that the Devils found a way to win at least one of these games to get off that schneid and to kind of just get some confidence because let's face it, the Devils for the last handful of, you know, games have just, they've really just lacked confidence. I think that's the big thing. They've really lacked confidence and belief in themselves that they can win games, that they can find what they need to do, you know, to be successful. And that really was, and that was really the hope. And, it's always one of those things where the only way we're going to be able to regain our confidence is to find a way through adversity to still win a hockey game. And I think that was the big thing going into this second game. And the Devils got off to a good start. Uh, you know, Pavel Zaka with a nice wrist shot goal that beat Varlamov. To be honest with you, I really thought Varlamov should have had that one. Uh, but we'll take it. And that was a beauty of a snipe from Pavel Zaka. Um, and the Devils got themselves a one nothing lead. And I felt like, you know, they were still, you know, they started to go back to where I had seen them play to begin the year, where they would start off the games first 15, even, you know, first 20 minutes of the games, they would be really, really aggressive. But unfortunately, they did give up the tying goal to Oliver Wallstrom, one of the exciting rookies for the New York Islanders. You know, he got himself a goal and, and the game was tied at one after one. So I was like, okay, not a big deal. We're tied. It's, I didn't think, you know, when I was watching that game last night, I was like, you know, they're not playing that badly. I think they're okay. We're fine. And so we go into the second period and a little over a minute into it, um, I believe it was Sharon Govich who took a shot that hit the post, went out to the other side of the net and Yanni Kokinen was standing right in front of the net. He dove for the puck and was able to knock it in just before Varlamov was able to get there and he scored. 
And for Yanni Kulkinen, that's his fourth goal of the year and goals in back-to-back games. So Yanni Kulkinen, one of those guys at the beginning of the year that I told you would be somebody to keep your eye on, is starting to really earn himself a regular spot in the lineup. And he has really, really been impressive. And the Devils were able to get themselves a two-to-one lead, and that's where it stood after two periods. So we're going to set the stage, obviously, here for, for everything else. The Devils go into the final 20 minutes of play knowing that all they have to do is just, they need to get at least two more goals. They need to find a way to put this one away to put doubt in the Islanders because they're obviously a hot team. Winners of seven in a row going into this game. We needed to put some doubt in them that they had not gotten over this last stretch of games that the Islanders have played again, played. And that was kind of the hope that that was going to be the case. And no, that didn't happen at all. As it started with um, Bellos, who let's let, let's talk about let's let's talk about Kiefer Bellos for a minute here. Um, Bellos going into this matchup was replacing Anders Lee, who is going to be out long term with a lower body injury. I said it was a leg injury, but you know the you know the NHL they're just not going to tell you exactly what it is for whatever reason. Um, but Bellos comes into the game as a replacement for Anders Lee had not played in 18 games. So he had been, he had not been in the lineup for a pretty long time and he did come into the game with zero points. And as most Devils fans would know, especially from watching the team the last four or five years, you knew at some point Bellos was going to do something, whether it was getting a goal or getting assist, whatever the case may be. And I remember some Islanders fans kind of being surprised that Bellos was getting a top six and even more shockingly, a top line role to start this game. And it it worked out for, for Bellos because unfortunately the Devils, like they've done in many other games this year, they just fell apart in the third period. They had everything going for them until we got to the third period and you know it's it's just hard to explain just how frustrating these type of things you know happen all the time and what was really just disappointing in this situation was that Damon Severson was trying to help out Ty Smith and he left Bellos all alone and Barzell while being guarded by two defensemen got a pass off to Bellos, and he was able to just beat Blackwood far side, stick side, I believe, you know, under a, under a stick, and he scored. And to me, it was just kind of one of those things where it was like, yeah, of course Bellos would score. This man has not scored in, has not done anything, gotten any points in 18 games this season, and he scores there. And, you know, the game is tied, and that's just what it was. But the Devils just gave up in the third period, like I said. And Bellos came down the right side a couple minutes later. He beat the defenseman, and he was able to beat Blackwood. He used he did he did a nice power move, and he beat Blackwood, and he scored a second goal. And that was the end of the game. The Devils lost three to two, and Bellos had a two goal game. I cannot tell you how pissed off that type of performance does to me. From watching this team for years, I have seen scrub after scrub. I'm not saying Bellos is a scrub, okay? I know Islander fans are going to attack me, but I'm not saying Bellos is a scrub. The fact, though, that Bellos had not gotten a single point in 18 games, he comes into the lineup to replace Sanders Lee, gets a top six role, and scores not only the tying goal, but ultimately the game-winning goal and beating us in regulation was one of the most ridiculous ways to lose a game I have seen in a while. And the Devils have done this type of stuff for years. I am tired of guys coming into the Prudential Center where they haven't scored their first NHL goal or haven't scored a goal in two or three years. And they come to the Prudential Center against the Devils and they score a goal or two or do just have a career game. And it's just a mind-boggling thing. And what is really upsetting especially this year, is that every time the Devils are given some form of adversity, they just give up in many ways. I know they came back against the Capitals. 
I know that they tried to make a comeback against the Islanders on Thursday, but there's plenty of other times that I can point out to you where the Devils just gave up after giving up just one goal, even if the game was tied or they were up by a goal and they gave up a goal, they just fell apart. And that is what you saw in this game. They fell apart. And that was really frustrating. Oh, and let's just make matters worse, shall we? Let's just continue to twist the knife as much as possible. First of all, I saw a tweet from last night that said this. Yikes. Keeper Bellows had zero goals in eight games coming into tonight. Has two and five minutes and the Isles lead three to two. That is really, really, really bad. Then, Craig Satan, I believe, I apologize if, you, if I'm saying his last name wrong, who is the statistician for the New Jersey Devils. He tweeted out, after the Devils lost this game to the Islanders in regulation, he said, the Devils have set a franchise record with their 10th home loss in a row, breaking a previous record. Do you know when the previous record was set? In 1985-86. 1985 86. We are talking literally over or damn close to 30 years ago that the Devils did this. That to me is unacceptable and is a fireable offense. As if the Devils didn't already give us many other fireable offenses throughout this season. But to me, for you to go into this and have lost 10 in a row at home in regulation, something you haven't done in almost 30 years, is without a doubt the most asinine, mind-boggling, piece of crap thing I've ever seen this franchise do. And I know that people will say that I'm overreacting when I say this, but I'm just going to come out and say it. I truly believe that this is the worst Devils team I personally have ever seen play hockey because they constantly find ways to lose these games. They give you just a little bit of hope, and then whether it's the Devils themselves or other things involved, you get kicked in the nuts. Excuse my language, but that is true. You get kicked in the groin. You get kicked in the stomach. You get kicked in the no-no zone. You get kicked everywhere. And you're just left there to be in pain, to just suffer, and to have other teams' fan bases laugh at you. Oh, and here's another thing that I love. And, and I just, and I know that people are going to take offense to this as well, but I'm just going to say this. If there are Devils fans out there who will constantly go out and go on social media and try to be positive, even through this, right? And say, oh, I will love this team no matter what. And especially people who have already been to a game this year or saying that they are going to go to a game or even went to this last game. My question to you is, where were you in this game? Because I think that, once again, there were more fans from the other team at this game than there were Devils fans. What does that tell you? It tells you one of two things. One, the Islanders have a passionate fan base that will go to places like New Jersey, which granted, we do give out pretty cheap tickets, so I can understand why you would do that to give yourself a chance to go to a road game. Ask my friend Kim. She knows She knows exactly why they do it. Or Devils fans just don't see the motivation to go to these games. And I would rather people be honest with themselves and people around them as to why they're not going to these games. This is the problem. This is the issue. The fact that we don't have enough fans to go to these games to outfan the other team is, an, is a really embarrassing thing to me. And it even happened last year. I remember going to a Devils game against the Islanders last season in, in 2020, which was actually the last game I had gone to before the pandemic. Um, there were more Islander fans there than Devils fans. And that was just embarrassing to me. It really was. It was really embarrassing to me as a Devils fan that we were, that we got out, you know, we were just, we, they had more fans than we did at our, at our own home stadium. That to me just shows that fans are tired of this and they don't see the motivation to do it. 
But I will say that, look, don't be going on social media and talking about how much of a fan you are when you won't even take the time to be honest and say, the reason I'm not going to these games is because we're not good. But yet still go on social media and still try to say that we're still a young competitive team. Just don't be hypocritical like that. And look, does it sound like I'm being hypocritical? Probably, because like I told you guys, I'm not going to a game this year, but it really doesn't have much to do with the on-ice performance. It has more to do with the health and safety of my own family. That's why I'm not going. But, you know, with the way the Devils have been playing, nobody has left the Prudential Center yet this season happy. Nobody has. No Devils fan has, that's for sure. Other teams' fans, particularly the Islanders, have left the arena every single time very happy. Very, very, very happy. And the Islanders have played three times at the Prudential Center with fans, and they've beaten us all three times. That's ridiculous to me. But, again, we set a franchise record for 10 consecutive home losses in a row, something that we haven't done since 1985-86 in regulation. And that, to me, is just a damning thing to see. It's a damning, embarrassing thing to see. And just talking to some good friends of mine and, and Devils fans alike, nobody has an answer. Nobody can come up with a legit answer as to why we are the way that we are right now and why things have just transpired so badly for us. Because again, when you go back to the beginning of the season, I mean, and we got to go back to, you got to go back to February 18th, literally, literally almost a month ago, which is crazy. It's crazy to think it's been that long. When we beat Boston in Boston, three to two, we were at the highest of highs because we had won two games after being away for 16 days because of COVID. And we got Nico Heashier back. Then he was named the captain. And ever since that point, we have just not been able to figure it out. We have just not been able to figure it out. That, to me, is a very frustrating thing. It's a very, very frustrating thing. The thing that really makes it scary is, is this. The last time the Devils won at home was January 24th of this season, a 2 nothing win against the New York Islanders. So. It has been nearly two months since the last time the Devils were able to celebrate a win at home. And that was when we still didn't even have fans in the arena. And now we are beginning another five-game homestand, hoping to God that we somehow do not go 0-5 again. But there was still one more game. That needed to be talked about today. And I think you guys knew that, well, I mean, I didn't save it for the best for last. The Devils and everybody saved it for the best for last. Saved the best for last, straight up. Straight up. And it was today's game. I'm recording this on Sunday night at 9.30. Not too long after this game. And I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say after a loss like we just witnessed today. And it started with, once again, Bellos scoring, making it one nothing. That's three goals in two games after this man had gone nearly 10 games without giving up, a, without getting a point. So it wasn't 18, it was eight. I, I apologize for that. My fault, my fault, my fault. But anyway, Bellos scores and it's one nothing. But we got to take a step back because I just remembered this. The game all of a sudden, just before puck drop, was put on delay because, number one, Jean-Gabriel Pajot was not in the lineup. It wasn't a healthy scratch. He wasn't hurt. Nothing. Nobody knew what was going on. Nobody knew why he wasn't playing. But I think because of how this season has gone, when somebody is just randomly not in the lineup for no reason, we kind of know where it's going. So I think we all kind of knew what was about to be announced. And then also... Defenseman Noah Dobson was a late scratch for this game. He was actually, I believe he was actually in warmups and then he wasn't playing. Sebastian Ajo, not the one in Carolina, the one with the honors defenseman, he was not going to be playing in this game. They had to tell him from the press box to go back into the locker room, dress up, and then get ready to play. 
So he had to come down and dress while the game began just so he could be ready because the Islanders started with six defensemen. So at that moment, it was kind of like, uh oh, like what's going on here? Because as, as somebody who's experienced their team have this type of situation, it was kind of like, okay, what's going on? And we later found out that not only John Gabriel Pajot was put on the COVID list, but so was Noah Dobson. And that's a scary thing because the Devils should have been, been made aware of this. So now I think I know how Buffalo felt when we had that situation a couple months ago. Somebody should have notified the Devils of this, and the Devils should have made a decision. Should they have played this game? Should they have not have? Who knows? And the Devils do have one player on the COVID list at the moment. That's Will Butcher. Um, I don't know if he was. I don't know if he was in contact with somebody from the Binghamton Devils who had um, a COVID situation uh, a couple days ago. As if things could not get any worse for the Devils organization in general. Um, but, but yeah. So it makes me nervous, and I hope that nothing serious is going to happen. And interestingly enough, just a fun fact for you guys. This is the first time this season that an Islander player, just one, has missed a game because of the COVID list. I think it was Cal Clutterbuck or um, Brock Nelson. It was somebody on the Islanders. He was put on the COVID list, but got off it before their next game, so he didn't miss a game. Um, so again, for John Gabriel Pajot or Noah Dobson, it may not be anything. It, it may be okay by tomorrow. We don't know. We don't know, but the Islanders announced it in the middle of the third period yet tonight that both of those guys were on the COVID list and that was it. They weren't going to say anything else. So hopefully they're okay. Um, and I hope it's nothing serious because I know how bad COVID has been to a lot of people and a lot of players. And I just hope that everything's okay. But going back to the game, as I mentioned before, Bellos, what a shocker, scored his third goal of the season in two games against us. I have a question for Devils fans, and it might be somewhat of a rhetorical question. How many times have you personally seen this team do that? Have somebody who hadn't scored in however long finally get a goal against us? Against us. I'll tell you how many times. Too many to count. The answer is too many to count. It's happened all the time. And I think that the Devils lead the league in that category. It's not a real category, but I bet you that if it was, the Devils would be in first place by a lot. By a lot. But anyway, Bellows scores, one nothing Islanders. Frustrating as all hell. Frustrating as all hell. But the Devils did respond about a minute later when Yanni Kokinen once again, came through with a nice goal. And that's his fifth goal and, his, and makes it three games in a row with a goal. Yanni Kogan has been on fire, which is making that trade we made with Carolina to acquire Yanni Kogan for Sammy Vatanen look better by the day. Because obviously, Sammy Vatanen is now back with us. He's not the same Sammy Vatanen that we had last year, not close, but at least Yanni Kogan is really doing well. And that's great to see. And I mean, and that's just great because I know that he has the case, you know, I know that he has more development to go. And it's great to see a young guy like that who's getting consistent NHL minutes really show that he belongs in this league. And that's great. So for Yanni Kokinen, fifth goal of the year, tie game. And I was literally in the middle. I was on my phone because, you know, as you guys know, if you follow me on Twitter at Devil State, you know that I live tweet these games. I was trying to come up with my first period thoughts as I normally do at the end of these periods. And I ripped out everything I was going to say and I saved it. I didn't tweet it out because I don't tweet it out till the end of the period. But I remember as I'm tweeting, as I'm writing this, I said, you know, the Islanders are going to score probably. And then my whole like first period thoughts is going to change. Sure enough, Brock Nelson scores with a second left in the period. A second left in the period. And the Islanders took a two-to-one lead going into the first intermission. So I had to change it a little bit. Not completely, but a little bit. And yeah, I was pissed off. Because again, that's one of those things that only the Devils could do. Only the Devils could do. And I hate saying this. But I just 
you know, I, I just, I, I kind of just gave up. And I hate saying that because I'm such a passionate fan. I am. I'm a huge fan. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a passionate Devils fan. And I will always support this team no matter what. I will watch every game no matter how bad and it's been really bad. But there was a couple minutes where I was sitting there wondering to myself, should I keep watching this game? Because there's a good chance that I'm going to be disappointed in one way or another. Because that's what I'm worried about. Now, I actually ended up having to make dinner for my family. So I wasn't live tweeting as much in the second period and even in the third period as well, because I was making dinner. Um, so, you know, I missed most of the action in the second period, but I did get a chance to see Yegor Sharangovich with a beautiful wrist shot through a screen to score his fifth goal of the season and to tie the game up at two with about four minutes to go in the second. And once again, it's another young player stepping up for this team, doing what they need to do. That's great. Love it. Absolutely love it. Really happy for Sharon Govich. Continue to kick butt. And even though this is going, this is a good thing, it's also going to sound really sad too. P.K. Subban got an assist on that Sharon Govich goal. That got him to 10 points. He became just the third Devils player this season, just the third to reach double digits in points. That's not great, but happy for Subban. And for Kulikov, I think he had gone more than 10 games without a point. And he finally got himself an assist, which was just his second on the year. And, you know, I remember when we were playing well, I was really impressed with Kulikov defensively. Nowadays, I'm kind of glad we only have him on a one-year deal. But also, um, two quick milestones that happened in, uh, well, one of them happened on Saturday, and one of them happened today. The first one is Dmitry Kulikov on Saturday. That was his 700th career National Hockey League game. So congratulations to Kulikov. And Kyle Palmieri got the primary assist on Kulikov's goal, which got him to his 350th career National Hockey League points. So congratulations to Palms on that. So as you can see, there was a little bit of happiness going on there. So going into the third period, the game is tied at two. And I just said to myself, I said, I can't be thinking like, okay, we're going to win this game. You know, we, we got to find a way, you know, I was like, you know, I've seen this team, we, we've done this way too often where we've been tied or we're only down a goal or hell, we're even up a goal and we don't find a way to win the game in the end. Both teams really, I mean, there was a lot of fast-paced action per se in the third period, but it, you know, both goaltenders were on point. I think both teams only had like nine shots on goal in that period, I want to say. I'd have to, I'd have to look. Um, because that was kind of the thing. Um, it was actually it was actually pretty close. It was 10 to 9 in favor of the Devils. Uh, the Devils actually outshot the Islanders in the second and third periods. So in a way, in a funny way, the Devils slowly played better as the game went along. Um, and once we got to about the two-minute mark, I said, wow, I think we're actually going to avoid losing in regulation, which is obviously, you know, we don't want – we want to end that streak. That streak is still alive because it's at 10 games. But, you know, that at least we don't, at least we're going to find a way to get a point, which is great. It's great. So we, we forced overtime. We got a point. We go into the overtime period. And this is where, as you all know by this point, this is where things got really, really frustrating. Um, it started with, obviously, the situation where the Devils started by winning the faceoff, and it was well, Zajac came on to win the faceoff, then immediately went to the bench, and they had Subban, Zaka, and Brett. Zaka had the puck. Well, Brett had the puck first, gave it to Zaka. Zaka took it into the offensive zone, and he kind of waited a little bit. And Brett, I think, was either going around to the right side or he was going to the bench. But Sube comes down the left side. He gets a great pass for a one-time shot. Well, he actually wrist-shotted it. And he beats Sorokin top shelf 
and the Devils win. And I remember freaking out. Well, not like really yelling and screaming. I just kind of like fell to my knees and fell flat on my face because it was more of a relief. It was like, oh, thank God. Thank God we got that over with. And I looked up and the Islanders are still standing on their bench. Actually, it was only half the Islanders team standing on their bench. And the Devils, half of their team was already in the locker room. But nobody, but, but nobody was gone from the ice. And we're like, what's going on here? And apparently the Islanders decided to challenge the goal for offsides. And I remember tweeting out, I said, don't NHL, don't do this. I said, we, we worked so hard for this. Don't, don't do this to us. And they showed us the replay. And if you go back and watch Jesper Brett, his back, the back heel of his skate is still on side. He was able to get it back in time prior to Zaka entering the zone. And they kept showing it, and it was so, so minuscule. And I said, it's so minuscule that there's no way that they can still overturn this. If it's this inconclusive, they got to go with the call on the ice. That's just how, that's just how the rules go. So I, and you could hear from Danico and, and Kanji, they were both saying, yeah, we, we really can't see how this is going to be overturned. I don't think there's enough here. And look, I get it. They're the broadcaster for the devil, so they might be a little bit biased. But it was also legit. Like you could look at it and say, nah, it wasn't, wasn't that, wasn't that, um, it's not that obvious that it was offsides. It really wasn't. But as the minutes went by where the rest are still looking, I said, you know, the longer this goes, the more likely they're going to overturn this. And the reps came back. And before even the call was made, I saw the other two reps. They didn't skate to the locker room. They skated right to the benches. And I said, oh, no. And sure enough, they said after further review, it was determined that the play was offsides. And I dropped so many obscenities that I, I can't wait till the next time I have to go to confession because it's just what this team does to me and, and the situations. I'm actually smiling right now because of how ridiculous that situation was. It really was. Um, but they called it offsides, and I remember looking at I saw PK Subban's face, they showed his face, he was stunned. The whole team was stunned. It was just nobody could believe it. Nobody could believe that we just got we got hosed like that by the smallest of things. And I wonder to myself, had the devils had it go the other way, where the islanders scored like that and the devils challenged it. I wonder if they would have given, still given the goal to the Islanders. I wonder. I wonder. But the Devils continued to put the pressure on in overtime. They actually drew a penalty, which was going to last um, all but 11 seconds of the rest of that overtime. And they had a couple of good opportunities, but Sorokin, and especially that defense of the Islanders, just continued to be brick walls, and we ended up going to a shootout. And I hate saying this, guys, but we still suck at shootouts. Like, remember when, like, five, six years ago, we were like, the, we went like, what, 15 straight shootouts without winning one? Yet we're still not much better than that. Um, but we started off good as Nikita Gusev did his uh, famous move that he does go from his right to his left and back to his right. And he sniped it low side, passed Sorokin, and scored. Okay, no problem. That's great. One nothing us. First Islander shooter comes up. Um, I don't know who it was, to be honest with you. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was Jordan Eberle. Uh, he came in and he got stoned and it was still one nothing. Okay, good start. Here comes Jesper Bratt. Jesper Bratt comes in and doesn't really do very much. He tries to go low, right leg pad side, and Sorokin stops him. Still one nothing Devils. Then Matt Barzell, and I said, oh, geez, if anybody's going to tie the game, it's Matt Barzell. Barzell had probably the most head-scratching shootout attempt. Maybe he was trying to go from his backhand to his forehand one too many times, and he ended up losing the puck. So he didn't even get a shot off. So at this point, at this point in the shootout, all we need to do is score a goal, and we win. We score a goal, we win this game. Pavel Zaka comes up. Okay, understandable. He's been pretty, he's been pretty consistent, you know, not of late, but he can still score. And he comes in and makes a weak attempt. 
like Pat Son. Doesn't even try to go top shelf. Just tried to go low. And Sorokin, after giving up that low goal, the key to Gusev was just not going to have any of it at that point. And that brings up Anthony Beauvillier, who at that time was three for seven, I believe, or three for nine in his career on the on in the shootout. And I was saying, okay, all we got to do, we save this, we win the game. We win the game, we win the game, we win the game. And Beauvillier beats Wedgwood far side and off the post and in and ties the game. So that's pretty deflating. But the Devils now get an opportunity to try to go up again and put the pressure back on the Islanders. Jack Hughes comes in and he gets stopped by Sorokin. Not much of an attempt, by the way. Again, a very weak attempt. And then comes Oliver Wallstrom, who has had a lot of success against the Devils and is a really good rookie for this Islanders team. Like, this guy's going to be great in the next year or two. He's going to be great. A top six guy. He's going to be phenomenal. He's done very well this year. He comes in, and he was on on Wedgwood's glove side, and he saw the far, far side, and he beat Wedgwood, far stick side, scores, and the Islanders win three to two in the shootout. Excuse my language, but I have a few things to say. Number one, fuck the refs. Number two, fuck off sides. Number three, fuck Bellows. Number four, fuck Wallstrom. And number five, fuck the refs because I just want to say fuck the refs again. I'm not going to sit here and try to make excuses for the Devils not winning this game because the Devils still should have won this game. But it's just... That type of loss is just indicative of how this whole stretch has gone the last couple of weeks. We just do not know how to win a hockey game. Even when we are doing things correctly, we still don't win the game. The hockey gods have been incredibly cruel to us. The Islanders were lucky to win that game tonight. They were. Plain and simple. They were because even because let's go back to something I forgot to mention. Go back to when the Devils were up two to one and the game was tied. And it was a face off to the right of Sorokin. And Devils win the face off. And I believe it was, I want to say it was Sammy Botnan who took the shot. But whoever, one of the defensemen took a shot and it was tipped in. And into the net by Mikhail Moltsev. But the refs blew the whistle right as we scored and called an interference penalty against Nathan Bastion, which was one of the weakest calls I've seen in a while. That was a really weak call against Bastion, a very weak call. Now, the Islanders didn't end up scoring, and that's not why the Devils lost the game. But I will ask the question, what if the Devils had been given that goal what if the bastion interference doesn't happen the devils win that game in regulation of all things that would have been even sweeter than winning it in overtime but it doesn't happen and then we score in overtime and it's pk subin of all people this was like arguably his biggest moment as a devil and he hasn't had a lot of big moments but this was a big moment and it gets taken away because of the smallest of smallest decisions in the offsides rule. The offsides rule is the dumbest rule invented in sports. It is because they still can't get it right. What is offsides? Honestly, by that little of a margin? Are you kidding me? There wasn't that. It was so inconclusive. There wasn't enough evidence there to how overturn it. But I did mention this to somebody. And it's true. The Devils are not a good team. We're not. We are not a good team. And when you're not a good team, this is what happens. You don't get calls. You don't get breaks. You have to find a way to win a game like this through your own, through your through ever through yourself. You can't rely on things like luck in these type of things because You're facing the hottest team in the National Hockey League. Winners have now nine in a row and probably going to be the biggest favorite to win the cup. 
Um, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna get luck like they've been getting luck. But that's not the only reason the Devils lost this game. The Devils lost this game a couple of days ago because they just haven't played well. These guys don't have confidence in themselves. They don't believe in themselves that they can win these games. They don't. They just don't. And it's not going to change unless something drastic changes. The results are not going to change unless something is done. And I don't know what that drastic change is. I don't know if it's firing a coach, a coach, firing the coaching staff, um, you know, you know, putting a, a bunch of players on waivers and bringing up a bunch of other young kids from Binghamton at some point. I don't know. But this is just another reason why I blame ownership for why the Devils are what they are. I do blame Ray Shiro for the lack of moves and some of the moves that he made in the five years that he was here um, to put us in a position where now we have such a massive uphill battle. And I blame the veterans of this team. And why do I say that? Well, let me tell you something. This was a quote, a comment, excuse me, a comment that Damon Severson made after the Devils had lost to the Islanders back on Thursday. Actually, I think it was on Saturday he said this quote. He said the following thing, and it was a damning, damning statement. He said, there's no beating around it. It did happen a lot in previous years, Severson said, of that here we go again feeling. We give up on games and we would give up on seasons when it got when it got late. It was unfortunate. It was tough to be around. You didn't have to have that. But that's not the case this year. We have a good group of guys. We support each other. We've got each other's backs. There's no giving up on the season. We believe in what we're doing. We believe in what Lindy's preaching to us. We just have to execute. That's a damning statement. What he admitted was that he admitted straight up that the Devils in years past have given up. This organization and team have given up in the past. And honestly, I don't know what the difference is this year. He's trying to say to us, the media and the fans and to everybody, that it's somehow different. How is it different? How? The thing that comes to my mind at this point is that, you know what? When you look at these games, the guys that step up and do what they can to help win are the young players. Maltsev, Yanni Kwokinen, Sharon Govich, guys like that, even Jack Hughes. The veterans on this team, they already packed it in. They have. Look at the look, look at the veterans on this team. Travis Zajac. You know, he got an assist tonight. Whoopie doing my Subaru. Like he he doesn't do a whole lot to help us win. Kyle Palmieri. Bro, what like what has happened? Maybe he's still dealing with the effects of COVID. And in that case, I feel really bad. And it's so unfortunate for him. But in a lot of these games, he's just nowhere to be found. And there's so many times where he does, he shoots it when he should pass and he passes it when he should shoot it. You know, he, he does that a lot. P.K. Subban, you know, he, other than getting an assist tonight and supposedly getting the game winning goal tonight, but getting weight, you know, getting it removed didn't, didn't happen. Damon Severson, he's, he's, he's made some mistakes. Hell, he shot a puck into our own net. On Thursday, the second time in two years he's done that. It's just, I don't know what to tell you guys. Other than that, there are veterans. Nikita Gusev, my guy, where are you? He's whipped so many times on shots. It's driving me nuts. I just, I just don't know what to tell you guys anymore. These last handful of episodes have been so tough to do because for Many of these episodes, as you guys know, I'm, I'm pretty energetic. I'm pretty optimistic. I'm positive. I always got things to say. But nowadays, it's just hard to do these episodes because there just isn't much different to talk about. 
we still lose at the end of the day. It doesn't matter how we lost. We still lost. We still haven't won a game at home since January. We still haven't won a game at home in front of fans. And now we go into this week. We have three games left in this homestand. Buffalo on Tuesday, basically the battle of the two worst teams in the National Hockey League. And then we have back-to-back games against Pittsburgh, who we haven't played yet. So I don't know how they're going to play against Pittsburgh. The last time we played Pittsburgh was the last game before the season was put on pause. So well over a year ago. And I don't know. I don't know. But what I can tell you right now is this. The Devils lack confidence. They lack belief. And the veterans on this team do not care. I I hate saying that, but they just don't look like they care. And you guys can be critical of what I'm saying and say whatever you want to say. But I don't know. There just aren't a lot of signs that are going to show me that this is going to get better. If we lose to Buffalo on Tuesday, what what is that going to say about us? What's that going to say? What's that going to tell you? If it wasn't for Buffalo, we would be the worst team, not only in the NHL, but certainly in our division. Thank God Buffalo is worse than us. And they have more talent on paper than we do. But their main guy, Jack Eichel, is out long-term. And Taylor Hall has, like, what, two goals? Three goals this entire season? Probably going to get traded. And speaking of trades, we're hearing about Kyle Palmieri maybe being traded to the Islanders or Edmonton. Bob Fitzgerald, you might as well start thinking about it. Because I think some of the veterans on this team just don't want to be here anymore. And I don't think they buy into the system. And maybe Lindy Ruff's system just isn't suitable for this team. Maybe Lindy Ruff, maybe for him, the game has passed him by. I don't know. I'm, I don't have answers. I don't know what to tell you guys. All I can say is that I'm pissed, I'm drained, I'm tired, and I'm sad. Because I don't know when the Devils are going to be good again. I don't. I do not know. But as I always say, I will support this team and I will stick by this team no matter what. That's not going to change. And I'm going to continue to try to be positive and try to be optimistic and try to be, you know, go, you know, trying to be as happy as I can be. But just understand that this team is not good. And there are a lot of different fingers to point at. And if, if, if by some chance the ownership seems to hear this for whatever reason, I would say this one thing. If you don't care about the team, then just sell it because it's not worth it to you. I don't know what you're trying to pull here unless you're just trying to make yourself look cooler because I know you tried to buy the Mets and that clearly you had no shot of buying the Mets Um, because you clearly are not putting enough money into the team. Like you're not allowing us to go out and try to get a big name player or two, you know, with the amount of cap space that we've had for the last three or four fucking years. You know, just sell the team because you're wasting your time and you're wasting fans' time. But if you really do care, put your money where your mouth is. Make the moves that are necessary for this organization to get better. Put people in place that are going to make this team better. Build a culture that's a culture about winning, not losing 10 games in a row in regulation at home for the first time in over 30 fucking years. Make a change. Do something. Show us that you give a shit. Because right now, you don't. You clearly don't. It's obvious. And nobody should be defending this ownership because you know damn well as well as I know. If you're a fan of other sports of other team, other teams and other sports, you've seen this before. Why haven't the Jets been successful for a long time? Because the Woody, because the Johnsons don't give a crap about winning. 
Why haven't the Browns won anything in their history? Because ownership doesn't care. Um, is not, um, because ownership doesn't care enough about winning. Only now they, they care about it because they're not spending a whole lot of money. So unless ownership just gets a sign from God that maybe they should try to do more to win, to make this a winning team, unless that happens, this is the results we're going to get. And, it's, and we're not going to see change. I better see change. I don't care if it happens now or at the end of the season, but, there, but change needs to happen because this is just ridiculous. And fans should be wanting their money back for the fact that every single time fans have gone to a game at a Prudential Center, that's Devils fans, they haven't seen the team win. They haven't won a game at home with fans in over a year now. This is ridiculous. We shouldn't be trying to think about, oh, who we're going to tank for. It's bullshit. That's the mindset of a loser. And that needs to stop now. Because if it doesn't, this is the result we're going to get every year. So enough is enough. Stop. Just stop. Just stop, please. Figure it out. Try anything. Do anything. Please. Because a lot of, I'm speaking for a lot of Devils fans. This is bullshit, what we're seeing on the ice. This is bullshit and embarrassing. This is the only team in this state that has the state's name in it. They represent New Jersey, and they're doing a piss-poor job of it. A piss-poor job. So, I want to see changes. I don't care what they are. I don't care. If you're going to trade some people that are likable from the fans' perspective, do it if it means that it's going to make this team better in the now and in the future. Figure it out. Please. Please. What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. If you want to check out more of the podcast, here's what you do. You go wherever you listen to podcasts, so that could be Spotify, that could be iTunes, that could be Google Podcasts, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, you go and you search Devils State of Mind, and you will find the new episodes that we post every week on both Mondays and Thursdays. Please also go check out the Hockey Podcast Network as a whole. We have podcasts for all the teams in the NHL, as well as other great hockey podcasts. So just like with Devil's State of Mind, just search Hockey Podcast Network, and you can see all the podcasts that we have on this great network. You can follow the Devil's State of Mind on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil's State, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. Make sure to also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on all social media platforms. Just search at H-O-C-K-E-Y, Hockey, P-O-D, Pod, N-E-T, Net. If you want to listen to more of my voice, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Podcast, where I talk about all things going on in the wide world of sports. New episodes go out every Monday and Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Presents channel on YouTube, where just like the podcast, I talk about different topics that are going on in the world of sports as well. New videos go out every single Tuesday on YouTube. So it's spelled M-O-F-O-B-O Network Presents, and you will find it. Again, New videos out every Tuesday. You can stay up to date with all the new episodes and videos by following me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W, my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11, and also Mofobo Network on Facebook. And last, but certainly not least, go check out both my books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble right now. The first is J-E-T-S- Pain, pain, pain. 
the agony and the ecstasy. Nah, no ecstasy of being a Jets fan. This book is about all the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So from all the painful moves, painful games, painful player decisions, painful ownership decisions, you know, where, you know, anything we could think of, it's in this book. So this is really for the Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone of those, or if you just want to support me, go check out that book. The other book that I just published recently is titled Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. This one is all about the regrets of being a Mets fan. And even through world championships in 1969 and 1986, there was so much regret between those years, between those years, as well as the years following 1986. Both of these books are available for both hardcover and ebook for the price of 1969. So if you're a Jets fan or a Mets fan, or by some chance you're both, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So again, please go check out both of those books. The first one, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Pain and Suffering of Being a New York Jets Fan, and also Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. So once again, thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Villapiano, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone continue to be the amazing people that you are, you know, every single day, you know, always remember to just be yourself and continue to kick absolute butt. And one last thing, rock on. Woo!